and welcome to the Carry On Podcast, a podcast of Easter Lutheran Church in Egan. And here on this podcast, uh, the pastors get together and talk about the scripture passages for the upcoming Sunday. I'm Pastor Jay Carlson, and I am here with Pastor Megan Torkerson. And that is all today. Unfortunately, Pastor Jen couldn't be with us today. We miss her, but it's good to be with you, Pastor Megan. Yeah. Uh, Happy New Year. Yes. And uh, we are continuing through the month of January and continuing through the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, in our sermon series, uh, Jesus, the Great Teacher, learning from Jesus, uh, hearing these stories, thinking about what it means for us as a community of faith here and now in our own location as we seek to be disciples of Jesus. Right. And last week we talked about Jesus' baptism, um, which is uh, generally considered like the start of Jesus' public ministry. You know, in in the Gospels, pretty much across the board, this is sort of when he appears on the scene um, and when the stories of Jesus' life and, and what he teaches us, it's when they first up here and and like we talked about um, in the sermon last week, um, there aren't a ton of stories uh, in all four gospels that actually appear in all four gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week's story, the story of Jesus' baptism, that is indeed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, but the story that we're about to hear today uh, is only in three out of the four gospels. Ah, uh, uh. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are often called the synoptic mm-hmm. gospels, and synoptic is a fancy word that just means they they see the same thing, right? It's pretty literally what sin optic means. Um, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke often share similar stories. So it's, it's worth noting, I think, that the story we hear today is still a pretty... Uh, a pretty common, pretty known story in the Gospels. Yeah, and what, yeah, it's the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and we're reading it from Matthew. Um, it is, like you said, another synoptic Gospels. There are some changes, or some differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just stick to to Matthew. Right. Um, it, one. One thing that I think is common is that it's very much connected to that baptism of yes. Jesus' story. It's immediately following the baptism that Jesus goes out into the wilderness, but not just goes out, is sent out. by the, It's like part of the baptism, I think, that, that now Jesus needs to have this time in the wilderness. In Mark's Gospel, we're reading from Matthew, but in Mark's Gospel, it says that Jesus was like driven out into the wilderness. Though I remember the Greek word is ekba which is like thrown out. So <laughs> I, I love, yes, it's one of the few <laughs> Greek words that I remember. I think I wrote a paper in seminary about that, that particular verse, because I just think it's so dramatic. It's yeah. not that he was led. Matthew says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the right. Spirit. But in Mark, it's, it's so dramatic, almost violent. He's thrown out into the, the wilderness. Uh, it's a different, maybe a different understanding of the, the Spirit than many of us have. We think of the Holy Spirit as comforting mm. and and very you know, peaceful and calm, but there's some like real uh, urgency uh, certainly in Mark's gospel, but I think in Matthew too that the the Spirit is at work uh, immediately with with Jesus uh, in in helping I don't know helping him to understand yeah. what this baptism means and who he is to be as a Messiah. Yeah, so if, if it helps, uh, the Greek word here that we're about to hear in Matthew 4, um, which I'm not going to try and pronounce because my Greek's terrible, um, but it can be translated as words as like, um, you know, to, to lead or to bring out, but it can also be to launch, which is not launch. quite the same as being like 
tossed out. Okay. There is a sense of being pushed out into the world, right? Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind that originally um, these texts did not have chapter and verse notations. That was a later edition. So if you were reading this, you know, originally, you would go immediately from, this is the end of chapter three, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased directly into. Then Jesus was led up. So there mm -hmm. is that continuity mm -hmm. in the story. And it's really meant to be there, whether, whether Jesus is getting uh, led or launched by the spirit or whether he's getting thrown out by the spirit. Either way, there is that immediacy this is what's next mm -hmm. it is the same spirit who blessed jesus at his baptism who then leads him into the wilderness the wilderness yeah yeah well let's read this shall we yeah. and uh we can discuss it more how about instead of reading it all the way through we'll break it up into chunks yeah i uh, think that sounds good let's let's read a few of the verses and kind of talk about what we've heard um, again, keeping in mind that verses are a later edition, so That's we can right. stop wherever we want. Woo. But the total passage is one, <laughs> 1 through 11, if you're following along. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. So we can stop anywhere we want, but we will stop after <laughs> but, verse 11. <laughs> yes, after 11, we'll stop reading then. Okay, we so need to stop starting somewhere. Starting with Matthew chapter 4, starting with the first verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the showdown has begun here between yes, Jesus and the devil. You know, I don't think about the devil often in my life of faith. Um, you know, uh, there's lots of ways maybe to think about what who the devil is. It, you know, it's hard to get away for, from those images of like uh, pitchforks and right. pointy tails and horns. red, yeah, yeah, horns and all of that. Um, I guess for me, uh, what's helpful is to think of the the devil as kind of the 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 accuser or the the one to tempt or mm -hmm. to lead us off of our our paths. Yeah. Uh, in fact, even if you hear in this in this story, you know, it starts with talking about um, that he was uh, tempted by the devil, right? And mm -hmm. in Greek, it really does say devil. Um, but then in verse three, it says the tempter, right? So mm -hmm. we're to assume that they're the same character being referred to, but it really is a different word, and it's and it's a little more passive in the the tempter here. It's like um, you know, the one who tests, right? It's this much more ambiguous description, which I honestly kind of like. I, I, whether or not you personify the devil, like condense it into a, a singular entity, I think we can all agree that there are forces that, that pull us from God, that tempt us, that entice us, that distract us. And, mm -hmm. and however you want to characterize it, uh, it definitely exists and here's jesus face to face with it in some way or form mm-hmm yeah and that is connected with with baptism you know i really like the confirmation service where we have those three renunciations yes. do you renounce, renounce the I devil renounce and all his empty promises and <laughs> yes um and and there the confirmation is an affirmation of baptism so that that is part of claiming our baptismal promises is to turn away from the empty promises of the world 
world of the the devil um, and turning towards the promises of God. And that's that's what Jesus is doing here as well. So that first one is well, it's about the being, devil. It's about being hungry. It's, it's about, about being hungry. Yeah. So the, I think the devil came and saw, oh, Jesus has been fasting. Here we go. Here's an opportunity. Yeah. He's going to be hungry. He's human. Can you get him at um, this point, right? Yes, right. God, the devil maybe is thinking, oh, God really messed up by becoming human. Here's my opportunity. <laughs> yeah. uh, now uh, this hungry guy in the wilderness is is putty in my hands. Uh, but it doesn't turn out that way. But right. the devil does quote scripture here oh, right no not, no, yet. not, yet, not, not yet. yet the so, devil yeah. the tempter comes and says here so it is hard to follow who's saying what and so right. there's an argument to be made but 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 like the way it's set up it makes sense that uh you know the tempter says hey oh you're the son of god are you like the right voice right came out of uh the sky when you were back if that's true well then surely you must have those same powers so turn these stones into bread right calling to mind uh Hebrew scriptures of, you know, in the wilderness, the Israelites, that, yeah, God can uh, create bread in the wilderness. So Jesus, if you are the son of God, you should be able to do that. Prove it now. Yeah, prove it now. Mm -hmm. And I love that, that even that turn of phrase, Pastor Jay, this prove it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the part of the temptation is, is a not trusting God to care for you, thinking you have to do it yourself, but B, this necessity of like, you have to prove what you are. You have to prove what God does in you. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus kind of shrugs and says, no, I don't. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't live by bread alone, but I live I live by God at work. Uh, and I ain't got to prove nothing to you. Right. He, that's the Megan translation. That's right. Jesus is saying in yeah. this passage. And that's not that a miracle of providing food um, is not something Jesus could or would couldn't or wouldn't do and in fact he later, later does, does. right yeah. one right of, one of, of, of you know the stories that appear in all four gospels one of them like we said last week was uh baptism but another one is the feeding of the five thousand that's attested to in all four of the gospel stories okay, yeah. so Jesus does eventually mm-hmm. make something out of nothing Mm-hmm. So it's not that he can't do it. It's when and why and how and by whose command, right? And so Jesus isn't going to do this just for himself. Right, he isn't going right. to do this uh, just to, to sate his own hunger. He's not going to do this just to prove it to Satan. Um, it's a thing he's perfectly capable of doing, but he will do it because there are hungry people who need to be fed. Mm-hmm. Right, right. This doing it here would be self-serving. Yeah. Later on, it is because there are people who are in need right. and it is showing the glory of God. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's very, very different than, than what the devil is trying to provoke him or tempt him to do mm-hmm. here. And speaking of provoking, oh boy, the provoking gets even better. Let's read the next couple of verses. Let's read verses 5 through 7 now. So we had our first little temptation. It was about Jesus being hungry. Starting now again with verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. So here, oh, oh so yeah, all right, all right. Jesus' comeback (laughs) is, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Thank you. (laughs) Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's, yes. <laughs> so here the devil is quoting scripture. Yeah, and the devil it's is quoting scripture, Pastor. Good Jay. scripture. How can that be? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, a lot of us would know, especially that Isaiah passage, uh, you bear you up on mm-hmm. eagle's wings, that oh. from the. Um, there's an evocative well, there's, to that effect. Yes, you yes, on eagle's that. wings, mm-hmm. him. Um, which is great scripture and which is uh, a scripture that I like reading and singing at a funeral, for example, where there is a a time to remember God's promises. But here it's not that the devil is is speaking God's promises using these scriptures, but again is testing and is trying to get Jesus to to test God or to prove himself again or to show off. Uh, So it's it, I guess, would you say that there's a way of misusing scripture? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's I mean, so so we claim scripture as as God's word, right? So it's not that the the material itself is, um, you know, inherently bad or something. But the way we use it, like any tool, uh, can be wrong, can be hurtful, can be destructive. Um, and a great example of that is is this right here. Satan's fully aware of scripture, knows it just as well as anyone else. You can study things that you disagree with. Or, you know, it, it's, it, that's not what's at stake. Um, it is a reminder to us that, that, you know, even the devil knows scripture and can use it to his own devices. And the same can be true for us. We can use and misuse scripture too. So I think whenever we're, we're um, tempted to use scripture to back ourselves up, I think we have to take a step back and wonder, okay, why why am I using scripture here? Does this apply here? Am I taking just this one verse out of context because it suits my needs? Or is this speaking to a wider theme in scripture? Is this challenging us in a meaningful way that helps us understand better what God is up to among us? Um, So we we always have to pay attention to, to how and why we're using scripture verses. I, I had seminary professors who would refer to the practice of proof texting, um, which is basically cherry picking a verse here or there to, to prove your point. So to say, I already believe X. Here I have found these three scriptural references to back up my point. Now I cannot be argued with because scripture agrees with me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the devil can do that just as well as we can. Yeah. So be, be, just you know, be a little cautious. Yeah, Watch that's a good, a good point. Uh, a, a good way of putting that, that the devil here is not beginning with scripture and understanding God's promises through it, but starting with what the devil wants yeah. and and the cherry picking, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, scripture to, to support uh, what, what the devil is trying to get Jesus to do, uh, which is really to forget about who he is uh, as as God's son, blessed at baptism, and set on a mission as Messiah. Uh, the devil's trying to tempt him off of that path to, to something else. Right. Yeah, he's trying to get him to to prove himself, to prove something. And there's also, you know, when Jesus's comeback is, you know, don't put the Lord your God to the test. There's this reminder that we we don't do uh, dangerous or risky or provocative things to say, ah, oh, because God will protect me no matter right. what. Yeah. God has indeed promised to love and care and protect us. And there are still consequences to our actions. And there is still, you know, forces of chaos at work in the world. There is still risk. Uh, we are not invited to live reckless lives. We are invited to live faithful lives, to, to, to protect life, ours and others. And so when, when the devil is tempting Jesus here, the devil is saying, oh, you can do whatever you want because God's going to take care of you. And Jesus says, no, I'm not. 
I will not mm-hmm. test God. I will live faithfully. Yeah, yeah. Faithfully following God's path rather yeah. than getting God on our side yeah. or for, for us. You know, I think, you know, another way that, that we might be tempted in that way is to think of prayer as, you know, uh, just just getting what, what we want rather than yep. getting in line with, with God's intentions. Yeah. You know, I've heard people talk about uh, misusing prayer as, as thinking of it as like this cosmic ATM, right? right? You know, just put in your prayers and, and get out what you want. Um, yeah, I, I may have had uh, at, at least one kid in my house this week praying for a snow day, uh, you know. Well, well, watch out. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, I think the other daughter was praying that there wouldn't be a and, snow day, so they canceled out. Because yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that would maybe be a, a, a miss, an innocent but misuse of uh, of prayer and God's promises there too. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so at the end of the story, though, these last three, uh, yep. these, this la- the last of these three temptations. Um, let's hear how the story ends. So beginning again with verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him. All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. That one seems a little more clear cut, a little easy, right? Like if if uh, the devil came to me and said worship me instead of God, that one is is a little bit simpler, I guess. Well, right, I feel like uh, there are like you know books and plays and movies all about lit- literally making yeah, you with the devil, right. right? So that's we get that. Yeah, but maybe there's other ways that we're tempted to to place our our worship in other things or in other people than than God that maybe are a little less. Uh, overt or obvious um, here, yeah. So it, it is still a good a good reminder for us that that is a, a temptation that that we too may encounter. Well, and what's the temptation like specifically as it's offered to Jesus? It's not just you know bow down and worship Satan, although that's definitely part of the equation. It's uh, I'm going to give you power and dominion. Yeah. I'm going to let you be in charge. You can get all of this. You can have all. You can be the one in charge. And I, I, as humans, I think we feel that temptation constantly. This desire for security, for control, for power, um, to to be the one who is dominant. Um, oh, we feel that all the time. And and I think in some cases we will tell ourselves even that we're doing it on behalf of our faith when really our intentions are completely mm-hmm. misguided. Mm. So you might not be making a literal deal with the actual devil, but you might be placing your trust, your comfort, your hope in something that that isn't actually Jesus, even though you are claiming that it is. We have to, we have to check our intentions a lot, I think, as Christians in the world. Yep. I think these temptations, it's important to note, are not tempting. Jesus wasn't tempted to do just completely bad things. Right. They were good things, yeah. but done in the wrong way. Everyone Would, needs to eat. Yes. People yeah. want to be kept safe. Folks want to be in charge. Perfectly reasonable things. And wouldn't we want Jesus to have control over yes. all nations of the world yes. or uh, to be at work uh, right. to have all of, of this power I mean I would rather have Jesus have power in the world than other people mm-hmm. um, so but but 
that is not the way that God has chosen to 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 be revealed in the world. Yeah. But instead, I mean, we heard this story of Christmas just a couple of weeks ago that God chose to be born in this vulnerable, uh, very precarious situation. That God is at work in in vulnerable love and compassion, not in lording over power over other people. Um, so, so Jesus is staying true to the mission that he has been called to, the yeah. kind of Messiah that he is to be in the world, not a, a ruling king with with power and violence, uh, but but this self-sacrificial, loving, compassionate healing uh, Messiah. And so what do we learn when we hear yeah. what Jesus has faced and how he endured temptation? We learn that, you know, often temptation is going to hit us, you know, real close to home. It's going to hit us in, in really ways that we can justify. Uh, we learn that um, we're, we're not getting tempted um or, or rather, we are getting tempted in a way to kind of pull us away from being in connection with God's will for our life. And this constant reminder that it's not about having power, it's not about having dominion, it's not about domination. It is about following and listening, uh, in particular, like you said, Pastor Jay, this, this Messiah who leads um, in vulnerability and in sacrifice. And, and that's a tough lesson. It is a, it is a countercultural lesson it is why those temptations are always going to be uh oof, so attractive because mm. that's that's what's around us all the time so we do live with the uh, temptation jesus did himself so we can't expect to be freed from it but like jesus who was waited on then by the angels we have god's presence with us too and forgiving us when we maybe fall into temptation mm -hmm. helping us comforting us and renewing us as well so that's the promise i think to hang on to as we as we conclude this Amen. episode of this podcast today thank you all of you thank you pastor megan and all of you for listening and joining us for another episode of this podcast the the carry on cast podcast of easter lutheran church where it is our mission to grow in faith and carry on the work of jesus christ thanks everyone May the road rise on.